everyone. Welcome to the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast, where mistakes are welcome, nothing is off limits, and growth is inevitable. I am Sharissa Wood. I'm Brittany Simon. And we are putting our brains together to bring you the tools you need to elevate your hygiene practice, build amazing team culture, and provide patients with the very best care. Our mission is to help empower and equip every hygienist to practice purposeful, profitable hygiene. We look to guide you on your journey towards career fulfillment by providing support, collaboration, and community to our profession. As two of the top producing hygienists in the country, we know firsthand that these things lead to sustainable and fulfilling practice and the happy side effect of high profitability. So let's get to it. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast. Today, Sharissa and I have the incredible honor of having Lucy Sinet on the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast, and you will absolutely love her the second she opens her mouth, because to me, she reminds me of like the original dental hygiene fairy godmother, and no matter what she says, it just sounds magical and perfect and too good to be true, but I love Lucy for many, many reasons, so... Um, I want to get to her introduction here, and I'm really eager to share with you what our relationship has been like up to this point and kind of why Lucy is such a special person to me. But um, Lucy and I have been colleagues at the Spodak Dental Group since I joined the practice in 2014. But Lucy is also a hygiene veteran who was practicing at the Spodak Dental Group several years before I arrived. And the origins of her um, of her practice actually started in 1982 when she graduated from Miami-Dade Community College with an AS degree in dental hygiene, and she has since practiced in several different dental office settings, from small practices to large practices to single and multi-specialty practices, um, until her professional journey finally and is currently um, still at the Spodak Dental Group, thankfully. She joined the Spodak Dental Group in 2011, and I I got on the scene in in 2014. So I have had this feeling, I felt for a very long time that it was very important and that I really wanted to have Lucy as a guest on our podcast because I consider her to be an incredibly successful person on a personal and professional level. She has worked as a dental hygienist for about 40 years, and every time I've ever interacted with Lucy – She just seems very secure, at peace with her life and with her relationships and with family, her friends, her patients. And, you know, speaking as someone who almost quit hygiene in my first two years, I always wonder what the journey has been like for people who have worked in our profession and found fulfillment and happiness for themselves in our field. Because I so often hear about all the reasons hygienists want to exit clinical practice, you know, Um, hygienists, I feel have this thing that almost seems like When you've exited clinical practice, it's because you did your time or because you've earned it or you've suffered enough. And now you get the reward of getting the hell out of there. Um, And now you're finally free to go into your real dream, which, you know, could be education. It could be sales. It could be just a different career trajectory. And I don't, you know, I think those are great things to aspire to. And there are really healthy and good reasons why we or anyone might want to discontinue clinical practice. But I don't think that it's necessarily the answer for everyone. Um, many hygiene veterans, you guys have probably heard too, you know, have often expressed bitterness, frustration, resentments against the dental industry. And I'm sure that they have their reasons why, but in contrast, you know, Lucy, you're probably, I think that you actually are the most seasoned hygienist that I know. And you're still the first one to boldly adopt new treatment modalities, take on new challenges. You're incredibly open to new ideas, new products new technology. And that's something that almost seems to invigorate your career. And I've seen firsthand so many times that 
even when our less experienced and maybe more tech savvy hygienists are hesitant to try new things, you are like the first one to jump in and try it both feet first. Um, and, and I think that that does a few things for our team. You know, uh, first of all, it really encourages others to get their feet wet and try new things. Um, and I'm always grateful for you and the attitude that you have about trying new things at work. You're not a person who really has to or does tell others what to do or what they should do. But I think maybe even more than you probably realize, you're showing them constantly what's possible and then letting them see you walk through challenges and overcome them until you've adopted whatever new treatment or new thing we're trying to incorporate. And in my opinion, I'm going to let you talk here soon. I promise. I just have so many good things to say about Lucy, but she's going to interject here in a minute. Um, I think your, your presence in our department is more influential than most people realize. And I think, in my opinion, you're foundational to the success of our department. Um, so before we really jump in, I want to take a moment and personally thank you for being an incredible leader in our practice and for showing others the way with patience and kindness always for, for all the days you know that you've arrived early, that you leave late, for your consistency and your routines your accountability for the way that you still care about your patients and accommodate them constantly. And for the patients you have in helping show our newer hygienists the way like you did for me so many times. Um, I think you're just a light everywhere that you go. And I so appreciate and love you. And I'm just thankful that you're here with us today. And I'm always thankful when I see your beautiful face at work. Like it just makes me so happy to know that you're so happy and fulfilled in your career that you've been doing it so, so many times and that you are the person that you are and I get to work with you every single day. So, um, so thank you for being here. <laughs> and before we really jump in and I ask our, our slew of questions that we have for you, um, I'd really like to hear from you some background about how you came into our profession. So can we please start and kind of back up to prior to 1982? Can you tell us about how you decided to become a hygienist and kind of what that journey looked like for you? Sure, sure. Well, first of all, thank you. I I mean, you said such beautiful things. I'm kind of like speechless now. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to make you speechless before you had to talk. Sorry about that. But um, yes, thank you very much. And I love you too. I love working with you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, I I always uh, wanted to be in the in the um, healthcare field, mm -hmm. uh, or I knew that very early on. You know, even as a child, because um, that made me happy, like taking care of my little sister. You know, uh, watching out for her friends. I just always was wanted to be a caregiver. It made me mm -hmm. feel good. Mm -hmm. um, but I thought, like in maybe early high school, that I wanted to be to go into nursing. Um, so I was really focused on that. And when I was 15, I think I was like 15 or 16, I went to visit my uncle, uh, who's a dentist. And he like went into depth um, about dentistry and about he, he was taking some courses to um, specialize in, in periodontology. And um, he went into depth with me about dentistry and about um his philosophy for patient care and his passion for patient care. Um, and it just, he really inspired me because, you know, I could see how much he loved it. Mm -hmm. um, so then I started thinking about, he said, Oh, you should think about dentistry or dental hygiene. Um, so I really started to think about that then. And um, it was really, it really fit for me when I started to think about it because as a child, 
I had really negative experiences uh, with a dentist. Mm-hmm. You know, those where the, you had to be held down and you, you were terrified and they didn't use topical. They just pinched your cheek really hard, you know, <laughs> just the, all those. Um, I had all those negative memories and I thought, you know, how great for me to, to have patients that had, you know, maybe fears or were apprehensive and be able to turn that around and make their mm-hmm. visits pleasant, make mm-hmm. them not dread, you know, going to the dentist. So, um, so that's really how I, I um, got into it. Got it. Okay. And then, so when, how did you, did, did you get in the first time that you applied? Like, was it a pretty easy process to get into hygiene school? Yes. Yes. At that time um, it was pretty easy. Well, actually it wasn't because the, there weren't that many dental hygiene schools and they only had so many you know, so many chairs. So mm-hmm. at that time, I think our school had like 40, maybe 42 chairs. Mm-hmm. Um, and we only had one school in, uh, in South Florida, like three schools, you know, like Dade, Broward and, and Palm beach. Um, so, but my grades in high school were excellent. Um, so I didn't have a problem. I started, I started with the prerequisites right out of high school mm-hmm. and I applied right away. Um, and I was able to get in, you know, some, some of the girls that, um, had lower GPAs kind of had to wait like one year, you know, wait one year to get in, right. but I was lucky. I was able to get in right away. Right. So you were what, 20 when you graduated or 21? So, 21. Yeah. 21. Yeah. And then I, um, I decided to, uh, at, while I was working, I decided to go back and get like my AA and then my bachelor's. Mm-hmm. But, um, during that period of time, I met my husband and then I got pregnant and then it was like, I kept, you know, putting it down the road and I never did. I never did go back, but I was, I just feel very fortunate. Cause I always had um, I just feel like I always had, uh, you know, I always put my family first, but yet I still had, you know, a fulfilling career. So I didn't really feel that need, you know, to go back yeah. to school. Right. Yeah. Those two things aren't mutually exclusive. I know it sometimes yeah. feels like they, they would be, but for yeah. most, for many people, I feel like it's in reality, it's not. Yeah. So I wanted to ask, um, can you kind of give us some insight and describe uh, clinical practice, like when you first started versus how it looks now? So for instance, like maybe describing some of the technology then and now, and also like what were relationships with dentists like then, or what was the, um, like the rapport and the beliefs around like dentists and hygiene relationships like then versus now? Um, Yeah, let's start with those two things. Okay. So technology is, I mean, I, one of the offices, when I first started, mm-hmm. uh, I think my, my first job, uh, was the three days a week. They hired me for three days a week. So I had another job for one day a week, mm-hmm. the three day a week practice was uh, a larger practice and their technology was a little bit more advanced, but the, the other one was, uh, still, they had still had belt driven hand pieces, <laughs> Oh my God. Okay. So I don't even know what that is. If that's, oh my God. I wish I had a picture of it. It looks like a torture. One. <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, the, the hand, the slow speed hand piece was uh-huh. on a stand and it had a, a very long belt 
Uh -huh. Imagine how heavy it was because now it's connected not only to a cord, but a belt. Right. Like a, almost like a pulley. It was crazy. Um, and, and some of the hygienists would even get like their ponytail caught in the... <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It was really, it was crazy. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, technology has advanced so much. I mean, there was no digital, you know, uh, uh, no, no uh, digital scanning, you know. Yeah. I'm guessing, Lucy, that you, you probably had a dark room that you had to go into to do your yes. x-rays. Yes. Yeah, yes. Room. Me too. At the beginning. Yeah. And we had no computers, you know, we <laughs> Okay, I have, a, I have a stupid question because I really don't remember when this became a thing, but gloves or no gloves when you graduated? Well, believe it or not, it, we, in school, mm -hmm. they only required gloves for patients with a uh, history of hepatitis, syphilis, you know, things like that. Wow. But m m those of us who were, I mean, we were just grossed out by that. <laughs> We bought our own gloves. Mm -hmm. So, and they, like our school, I heard of schools that would not allow it. Like they were like, no, you were, but our school allowed wearing gloves for every patient. But if you wanted to wear gloves and your patient didn't have the, you know. <laughs> oh my gosh. That, you know, that history, then you had to provide your own gloves. But um, yeah, that's, that's around when it started basically. Okay. Um, and then, and then. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go no, ahead. Because 1980s is when, you know, HIV and, you know, bloodborne pathogens all started. So then we all, we definitely were all wearing gloves. Right. Right. Yeah. I couldn't remember like universal precautions when that became like widely used and widely accepted and that sort of thing. That's wild. So I know how, you know, I, I'm on like a lot of Facebook pages and social media pages where I can see kind of like a lot of interesting interactions between like dentists and hygienists and assistants. And some of it is like very much like hygienists and dentists, especially, I think we just misunderstand each other a lot and we don't understand each other's perspectives because we've got a different level of stake in the game, like of our practice and the health of our practice. And we've got different priorities because of the things that we learned and didn't learn in school, the things that we do and don't understand about each other. But I'm just wondering, um, you know, we are really blessed to work in an office where our dentists, I feel have a lot of respect for us and understanding for us. And they really have our backs and vice versa. I feel like we have a really great insight as to what they maybe struggle with as practice owners or as dentists. And we understand um, their perspective because they're really open about it. You know, I feel like we have really open relationships with our dentists and they have really open relationships with us. And there's a lot of equality. There's social equality. There's um, like, just, I don't know. They, they treat us as professionals on the same level. There's not like this hierarchical, hierarchical feeling. I don't know how to say that word um, of like more than less than this person's better. That person's better. But I think that, profession-wide those things are an issue what can you help us to understand kind of like what the state of relationships between dentists and hygienists was then versus how it is now whether it was better or worse or the same or what you think because I'm just I'm wondering personally how it kind of evolved this way over time yes well I I've always been fortunate because my uh really probably all the practices except one that I've worked in Mm -hmm. I've always felt valued and respected um, 
by my dent, you know, by my dentist or my bosses. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say at that time it was really, um, you know, like know your place, <laughs> you know, you're the hygienist and, and it was pretty much just come in and clean teeth, mm-hmm. uh, which was very difficult for a lot of my, my coworkers. You know, I was very fortunate cause I didn't feel that way, but, um, my, um, or not my coworkers, but the girls that I went to school with, right. we would talk and they would feel like they weren't appreciated. And, you know, when you come out of school, you're kind of like, you feel like a, like a, a mini gum specialist, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're ready to, to cure periodontal de- disease and you're ready to period chart everybody, you know, <laughs> and they came out of school and they started working in these practices where dentists didn't really even want a period chart, you right. know, Just like clean their teeth and, you know, and get them on to restorative. So it was very frustrating for a lot of them and maybe only for a few that went into perio practices that they, you know, they didn't feel that as much, but, um, I think it, unfortunately it led to a lot of hygienists either, uh, changing, getting burnt out very soon, uh, changing professions, you know, because they felt like they weren't appreciated. Um, they weren't listened to, uh, and they were kind of talked down to. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I've, always felt very fortunate in that respect but I think that's evolved over time like the you know the practices that realized the importance of that of of um making their employee and not even not even just hygienists but assistants that's what's so great about our about Dr. Craig and and our practice that anybody there is um respected and heard um and you know, if, if you don't, if you don't respect your employees or you don't ask for their input, mm-hmm. then they're not going to be happy or fulfilled and they're not going to stay, you know? Right. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think we're super fortunate in that because I, I hear a lot of the same complaints and the same um, feelings, you know, I think it's definitely still alive. It's just such an interesting thing. I wondered if this was like a more recent evolution, you know, because I only have the experience that that I have, you know, so when I graduated, I had some of those experiences too. And then it was all about finding kind of the right dental home and people with similar practice philosophies, but you know, there may be, they're sadly, in my opinion, not as widespread and, and, um, available as much as they, they should be. Yeah. That's, I think if I had to guess, I'd say probably part of you having a good experience pretty much out of school would be your perspective and your attitude, because I know how you are and how you look at things that are positive and kind of like, you know, figure out how you can be grateful in any situation, but also probably you were, you were lucky enough to find a great practice from the get-go. So I'm happy to hear that. That's what your career has been like, and you didn't have to suffer. It really just kind of fell in. I was lucky because it felt really just fell into my lap. Mm-hmm. I was actually, when I graduated from dental hygiene school, getting ready to go on a trip with my cousins cross country. We were going to go uh, camping all along the U S go to all the national parks and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my, one of the girls I went to hygiene school with uh, took a job actually that was close to my home and she took it before uh, she accepted the job before she got her board results. Cause in those days it took six to eight weeks to get your results. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately she didn't pass. 
So she asked me, she's like, this is a great practice. You know, I told him about you, you got to go, you know? And I was like, Oh, I was looking forward to like two months of no school. (laughs) (laughs) Dang it. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I didn't get to go on my trip, but I took the job and I think, I think you're right. I think that's what has, you know, um, led to my longevity, you know, because I started out in such a positive way. Hey, fellow hygienists, we are in the trenches, or should we say sulcus, with you every day as we care for our patients. We are definitely fighting an invisible war against periodontal pathogens daily, and it seems like a never-ending battle. Helping patients eliminate and manage a good healthy oral biofilm is where the magic happens, and we've found great success with incorporating PerioProtect trays into our own periodontal therapy. PerioProtect is an FDA-approved tray system to deliver medicament into the sulcus on a daily basis. It targets the anaerobic pathogens and reduces the inflammation and bleeding associated with periodontal disease. The trays are easy to use and produce significant whitening results, making for great patient compliance. PerioProtect has helped us not only achieve healthier, happier patients, but build a stronger practice through production and referrals. For more information, check out providers.perioprotect.com backslash bulletproof. What do you... um... What do you think some of our biggest problems or challenges are in dental hygiene currently? Um, well, I would say just basically what we were talking about. I okay. think, you know, like we're blessed, like I said, in our office, mm-hmm. but just uh, keeping, you know, hygienists um, long-term because mm-hmm. a lot of patients, they, you know, they, they really get upset when they come in and their providers are, are not there any Mm -hmm. longer, you know? Um, and so if, you know, if, if you're not fulfilled and you're not going to stay, then that's a big problem. So how do you think like, um, so it sounds like a lot of morale, rapport, communication, relationship issues, kind of what are some, we don't have to like figure it all out right now, but what do you think some potential solutions for these challenges could be from your perspective? Like, what do you think dentists could do differently or hygienists could do differently to help resolve this, this issue, or at least gain insight and empathy for each other. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it is communication and, you know, probably unfortunately that's not something that you maybe, you know, when you're, when you're in dental school, I don't know, you know what it's like now but I don't know if they they have any courses about (laughs) you know communicating like hiring a staff and and communicating with them and Mm -hmm. you know keeping them happy um because that that I think that's a big that's probably difficult for them when they come out of school Mm -hmm. and they have to you know not only start practicing but if they have their own business you know dealing with the business side. And then uh, the biggest thing is communication, right. You know, with your staff and with your patients. So I I guess really the biggest thing is listening, I think. Yeah. So maybe like, I always think maybe it'd be 
Great. And these are like the things that I always wonder, like, oh, why aren't we taught these things in school? Like maybe incorporating some something on in their education or in our education about business 101 and communicating with employees, communicating effectively, how to deliver sensitive information, how to motivate people, how to influence people. It's a lot. It sounds like it would be a lot of emotional intelligence stuff. It is. It is a lot of that. Yeah. And um, and it would serve so well just not only with your staff, but even with patients, because mm-hmm. a lot of really talented clinicians, uh, they don't know how to, how to connect with their patients, you know, how to gain rapport with their patients. So, mm-hmm. and that's so important because the patient really doesn't know how great your skills are. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, if they don't trust you or they don't like you, they're not going to stay. So, <laughs> right. They don't I, know if you removed all the calculus. That's right. <laughs> I want to interject too, that I think, you know, I love that you, Brittany said, we're not going to solve all the problems by any means, but I think there's something to, and I know it doesn't happen right out of school, but I think there's something to us as hygienists knowing our worth in what we're doing for our patients and in turn for the practice. And I think a lot of times, and unfortunately, I mean, I'm with you, Brittany, on all these forums, you know, there's still this, this unfortunately, I think prevalent overtone of dentists feeling like hygienists are prima donnas and, you know, they're just wanting this much money and, you know, they're just, they're tough to deal with and they want all these things and they're demanding. And um, I think so many dentists view hygienists as just kind of a loss leader for the practice. Like it's a necessity. They got to get their teeth clean, but they don't realize how beneficial hygiene can be to their practice on every level. Um, You know, when, when you know this, that patients trust their hygienist, you know, they, they really believe what we're saying and and they're more apt to do something sometimes because we recommend it over the doctor because, you know, the doctor sees them for five minutes and we've spent an hour really getting to know them. So I think, um, knowing your worth is what's going to set you up for the best communication, because I think a lot of times we get scared to, to go in and say something, Mm-hmm. Um, but if we can really stand on the foundation of like, Hey, I'm, I'm a part of this practice and I'm really going to bring it, you know, for, from as, from a patient care standpoint, from a production standpoint and being able to come from that place as we talk to our doctors and say, Hey, I'm, you know, I want to be a part of this. I think on the flip side of that coin, I know you talked about, you know, I don't know what dentists learn about business. I'll say from hygienists, we didn't learn a whole lot about the That's whole true. business of, of dentistry. And I think. There's sometimes I hear some hygienists saying, well, I'm not getting paid enough or, you know, you know, he's, he drives that, you know, that really nice car and I'm not getting paid enough. And I think we as hygienists need to understand that this is a business too. And mm-hmm. we don't always know what that overhead looks like for the practice and, and what's really going on in the books and behind the scenes. And so I know at both um, Spodak and Atlanta Dental Spa, you know, there's a lot of transparency about, you know, overhead and costs. And, and that's, be- that helps everybody understand hey, I've got to bring it. I've got to do my part and not just expect a handout constantly. And I think it's just kind of bringing those two things together and everybody really being an effective team. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, thank you for that interjection, actually, Sharisa. That's really good insight and points on both sides. Um, So Lucy, I wanted to ask you, what what are some of the personal practices that you have in your personal life at home, um, that have helped you to stay open to growth and learning and adapting and being taught even after you have been practicing for so many years and so many years of experience? Um, well, 
I, I really appreciated what you said about me jumping in for <laughs> when there's new, new ideas and new technology, because uh-huh. I actually feel like, um, um, I'm always very apprehensive about anything new or, um, especially when it has to do with technology, because I'm not the most savvy, <laughs> but I think what keeps me going and what always, uh, why I'm always willing to jump in or, or, or wanting to learn something new is first of all, it, it creates excitement. So mm-hmm. you don't get, you know, in a rut and bored. But I think the most important thing is I love my patients. Um, I mean, some of them have been my patients for since, oh my gosh, probably 20 years. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, since I followed you from your prior practice, right? Yeah. They followed. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, they're, they're like family, you know, they're like family. And so my fear of not learning something that might help them, um, is, is worse than my fear of learning something new. (laughs) So that's why I'm like, okay, I need to learn this. (laughs) That's so well said. Yes. I love that. I I love that so much. Cause Lucy, I think there are so many hygienists that have been practicing for a long time and they do, they get stuck in that rut. And there's this, almost this like mentality of like, nope, we've always done it this way. I'm going to do it this way. So I just think that was very beautifully said. I love that. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. So, and luckily I have all you guys that are so young and good with technology. So whenever I have a problem, I can go to you. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. Um, So how, in your opinion, what does a successful hygiene career look like? Um, Well, I would say uh, uh, being, being respected and loved by your um, patients, by your coworkers, um, feeling fulfilled, you know, feeling like, um, especially for me, I guess it's feeling like you're helping people, like you're improving their health. And Mm -hmm. and now we know that it's not just, you know, their dental health, but it's their whole body health. So, um, I think that's, uh, what keeps me fulfilled and happy um, because you just feel like, you know, even in one short hour, you can, you can make a significant in, uh, improvement in their health. Yeah. No, I agree because it's not just the one hour, it's the hours that add up and all the education that you give them to then go home and take what they learned in that hour home with them. You know, right. like that compounding process of like you educated them and then they applied something, even if it was small. And then they see the next time they apply something else, even if it was small or they, or even if they just understand their own health status and come to accept it and step out of a place of denial and into a place of power about what they have the, uh, like the power to do for themselves, you know, all they can do is all they can do. And then there's of course, genetics and stress and immune health. And there's all these components that come into play, but whatever they can do for themselves, whenever they're doing those things, I think that's as empowered as patients can get, you know, it's them stepping into responsibility over their, their own health. Then there's nothing more that you can ask for. And I feel like that's one of the most fulfilling things to me is just like when people are like, they understand my value, but more so they understand their value and, and what their contribution is in the grand scheme of things too. And they start taking responsibility for that. And they start asking questions and being their own proponent, you know, their own healthcare advocate kind of, I love when, when patients have that mental switch. Yeah, that's great. It's kind of like a light bulb, you know, when that comes on, it's, 
that's amazing. You know, I, I think there's some magic too. And like you said, those patients that we've seen for a long time, they really have come to know us and trust us. So, you know, sometimes we get overwhelmed in the hygiene world because there's a lot of different things that we can offer and talk about and do. And we feel like, gosh, within that shrinking hour, like I can only tell you about two things. And we feel like there's so many things, but when we think about this as kind of the long game, and we know that we can present small things incrementally at these appointments. Well, that's super valuable because as the patients get to see us and know us and trust us and know like, hey, that thing you told me last time really worked. Now they're open to the next thing you tell them. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it truly is the, are these building blocks. And you know that you've got those patients that are so excited to come in and see you. And obviously they want to know, they, you know, they, they love you personally. So they want to know about the personal things, but I have patients all the time that come in and are like, okay, tell me what's new. Tell me what's the latest. And, you know, I just think that it is, it it does motivate us to stay current on things. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Um, And you were asking me, what was it? You were asking me something about, oh, about staying positive. Mm -hmm. I think you were, Mm -hmm. um, I, I think what helps me uh, is I always in the mornings, I always start my day like with an inspirational quote or something positive or um, sometimes I, when I wake up, I notice that I'm, I feel kind of down, you know, mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just try and think about very quickly, think about something that makes me happy, like my daughter or my son or my husband, you know, and just visualize that and trying to flip it as fast as I can, because it's easy to get, (laughs) to just kind of get drowned in that. Yeah. Um, But uh, that's pretty much what I do every morning. Cause a lot of people will ask me that they're like, Oh, you're always smiling. Are you always happy or what, you know, is that real or (laughs) right? Yeah. Um, But, but that's pretty much what I do. Um, And I don't really think I, I think I used to do it um, subconsciously uh-huh. because I just, I don't know. I like being happy or <laughs> yeah. I like being happy. Um, and I never realized, actually realized that I was doing it until I went to um, like a continuing education course mm-hmm. that was teaching you to do that. Got it. And then you and realize, like, oh, you know, like, that's what I do. <laughs> You had to just pat yourself on the back and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could teach this class. So what are some things? So on your gratitude list, um, I'm just wondering what things in your life contribute the most to the peace, the happiness and fulfillment that you have, whether it's work related or personal related, like what, what things in your life contribute the most to that? Is it like, is it a church type of thing? Is it your family? Is it things you like to do? Is it health things? Like what, what is it for you? I would say it's a combination of Mm -hmm. things Um, like my family, uh, definitely my family. um, It's what makes me happy. And anytime I think about, you know, my husband or my kids or my mom or my sister, you know, it it makes me happy. Mm -hmm. Um, Anytime I can be with them. Um, I would say I'm, uh, I'm more spiritual than religious, mm-hmm. but I do, I, you know, I pray every night. Um, that's very important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love, uh, I love the outdoors. I love gardening. I love like, that's a therapy for me. Yeah. 
love being, you know, in <laughs> uh, being in the yard. Um, so I think that um, I've gotten more over the years into uh, yoga and meditation. That helps mm -hmm. me too. So I, I would say it's a, it's a combination of, yeah. of all of those things. Got it. Okay. I feel like I'm unlocking Lucy right now. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes over here. Um, so based on some of the things that you've told us, what, what can you share or what would you share with newer hygienists about how to have a fulfilling, healthy, and happy hygiene career? Um, let's see. I would say, uh, to have, you know, to have your balance, um, make sure that you, um, that you're happy and fulfilled at work. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and yeah, I was thinking about that, uh, what you said, Teresa, about, uh, knowing your worth or knowing your value, because, uh, especially coming out of school, I think you're a little bit apprehensive. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you might not, unless you're very self-confident and very, you know, <laughs> you might not, uh, think about that. You not you might, might not think about your value, but that's so important because you might be thinking, well, you know, who am I to say anything or who am I con to contribute anything? But yeah, that's, it's so important to know that you, yeah, you, you can contribute and you should contribute <laughs> mm -hmm. and the team needs you. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to be successful. So I would say that, um, staying current is very important. And I feel very fortunate, um, to be at Spodak because, um, you're, you're amazing. Um, Brittany, oh, I thank you. That's current. You're always onto the new things. <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah. Um, and, um, yeah. And having, you know, having other, interests also outside of work that are um that fulfill you and that that keep you happy you know exercise is really important too mm -hmm. um, especially and exercise for uh exercise and stretching that helps support your you know all our muscles and um I was, I was going to ask that question, Lucy, with as long as you've been practicing, do you tend to have any kind of physical, like, how have you managed that aspect? Um, well, unfortunately I probably started managing it too late, <laughs> but, um, through, uh, for a while I was going to a chiropractor cause I do have some issues with my, my shoulder and my neck and wrist and hand. Um, but I actually find that what helps me more is yoga, uh, yoga, stretching. And now I do, um, uh, three times a week I do exercise. Like it's either, either water aerobics or, or water Zumba. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's exercise in the pool. Mm -hmm. And I find that, um, it's, you know, it doesn't hurt your joints when you're doing the aerobic part of it. Um, and it just feels so great. It's, it's like a, a spa and exercise. <laughs> yeah, so that has really helped me. Um, I wish that I had listened or that I had, yeah, probably cause I did hear of how important it was earlier on, but I wish I would have listened because, um, yeah, my, my posture 
uh, could be better. But um, yeah, that's what I most important thing I would tell new hygienists is use all the ergonomic equipment that you can um, uh, practice yoga or, you know, stretching, um, you know, strengthen your core uh, because that's, you know, unfortunately a lot of the girls that I went to hygiene school have, you know, a lot of injuries, um, and don't practice anymore. So I would say that's probably the most important thing. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of the stuff that we have now wasn't available when I went to school. Um, but I think that's probably one of the most important things. Yeah. Do you use loops? I don't remember. Do you use loops? I do use loops, but I've been having trouble. Um, I, I, ever since COVID, I got used to using a face shield Uh and I really like using it. But when I use the loops and the face shield, it's kind of complicated. Yeah. (laughs) It gets a little clunky to take on and off. Yeah. So it's kind of like I could use one or the other, but yeah, loops are so important. Yeah. Um, you know, for your neck and, and your posture. Uh, cause I definitely don't have the greatest posture. <laughs> but, so is that, is, is the posture and the ergonomics, is that really what you wish you would have? It sounds like you knew about it early on, but you didn't start implementing it. Is there anything else that you wish you would have known earlier in your career that would have made your life easier or made your career better? Um, I think one of the things that would have helped me, and of course that that really wasn't available either. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, is, um, giving local anesthetic. Um, I think that's relieved so much stress, um, mm-hmm. because first of all, I can make my patients more comfortable, you know, mm-hmm. if they're not, if they, if I can't achieve enough anesthetic with local, with topical. Right. Um, and then I don't, I just feel like I don't have to stress the doctors out waiting for them to come. <laughs> And then stress myself out waiting for them to come. Um, So that would have been, you know, something. Um, And the reason why I actually took the course is because Dr. Craig kind of pushed me to take it. (laughs) I was really scared to take it. But but yeah, after I took it, I was like, I should have done this before. (laughs) But yeah, that made, uh, that definitely made my life easier. Um, and, um, probably just also realizing, I think like what Charissa was saying, realizing, um, and, and Spodak has really helped with that, how important like your, uh, your input is and, you know, your, um, I guess you also your feeling of self-worth mm-hmm. because I think I could have contributed more like yeah. maybe in my previous uh, jobs, but I kind of felt like it wasn't my place and you know, that's kind of sad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So kind of stepping into that realization and responsibility sooner. Yeah. 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 And I, I want to say, because I feel like we probably have some listeners right now that are thinking, gosh, well, that sounds great that, you know, Lucy's worked in, in these practices that she had really supportive doctors, but I don't have that story. Um, and I want to encourage those listeners that, you know, like Lucy's saying, like step out into the uncomfortable 
And, you know, I know Brittany did this. This was, this is part of her story at the beginning. You know, she stepped out into, a, in one, into one of those practices where a doctor's like, you don't need a perio chart and just get them to my chair and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, give it a go. Um, and again, it's coming from that foundation of knowing your worth you know, see, see if you can create the change you're wanting to see. And if not, and I mean, in all honesty, especially right now in the timing we're in, you know, I think we lost a lot of hygienists to COVID as far as just stepping away from the, from the career. Mm -hmm. Um, There are everyone I know around us is looking for hygienists. So there are a lot of opportunities right now. So, you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, that's not the position I'm in and I'm not in a good place and I'm not feeling fulfilled. And I, you know, give it a try first. I'm, I'm never a cut and run kind of girl, like give it, give it a good go. But if, if it's not working out, then don't be scared to step out and look around mm-hmm. because I think there is more of a movement coming along. The more we understand the oral systemic connection and the more doctors that are getting on board with that, I think there are a lot of opportunities out there to really be a true part of the practice and have that equal provider relationship with the doctors and really, really find that fulfillment. Yeah. yeah. That's so, that's so important. And, and I think, like you said, it's important to give it a go because sometimes those, you know, those practitioners that you think may never change or, you know, it's not worth it. Um, if, if you can, if you can, um, stick with it and make them see how valuable, you know, you are or how valuable your input is sometimes they become like your biggest fan, you know, like, wow. (laughs) And also you're taking so much pressure off of them. Right. Because, you know, for one person to have to deal with the whole thing, you know, (laughs) uh, rather than everybody contribute. um, I think, you know, it's definitely worth, worth giving it a go. But then, like you said, if it doesn't work out, there's so many practices out there. Yep. Yeah. Do, uh, this has been great. I feel like I've gotten to know you even better than I already knew you, Lucy. And I don't know if it's possible, but I might love you even more than I did before we started this <laughs> podcast too. But, um, I, so thank you so thank much you for, much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. And, um, Teresa or Lucy, do you have any final thoughts about hygiene longevity, about any input or insight you can give to our listeners about, you know, being happy, healthy hygienists or anything else that you want to share before we call it a day? Um, no, I think, I think that's it. Yeah. I don't think I have anything either. I am so appreciative of your time today, Lucy. And just for our listeners, I've gotten to meet Lucy personally as she's come and hung out with me um, one day. And that was awesome. And she really is everything Brittany says she is. She's very open to all the things. And I think that's just a huge key. So I appreciate you so much. And I know, I know, I can't imagine how many lives you've impacted and gotten healthy. And that's incredible. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you so much. I love both of you. So it's a big love fest. Yes. Yes, for sure. All right. Thanks everyone for listening. And please, please, please remember that our Bulletproof Summit is coming up in June, June 3rd and 4th in Nashville, Tennessee. Early bird tickets are already sold out. Um, I know that we're blowing through tickets, uh, the hotel um, reservations and that that locked in event rate is going pretty quickly too. So if you are interested in seeing what the summit is all about, what it includes, what kind of tracks we're offering this year, please go to bulletproofsummit.com. And if you've got questions, input, or want to connect with us on a more deeper level, you can join us 
on the Mighty Networks app and search Bulletproof Hygiene. We thank you so much for being here with us today and we will see you next week. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast. We hope you've had as much fun as we have. Don't forget to click subscribe for a lot more where this came from. We appreciate your support and promise to keep the hygiene gems coming. Keep track of upcoming Bulletproof Hygiene events by visiting bulletproofhygiene.com or download the Mighty Networks app and search Bulletproof Hygiene to stay connected. We want to hear from you.